Welcome to our podcast. I know that many of you want to explore our courses, and we want you to have an easy way to do that. So we've created several complimentary workshops that give you the opportunity to taste our unique brand of experiences. To reserve your spot, visit view.life slash explore, or click the link in the show notes. Okay, so last week, Brett and I were uh, doing the Groundbreakers together, and one of the things that I noticed that kept on coming up as a theme was finding love, whether it was, I want to find the right person, or it was, I found the right person, but they they weren't, you know, into me or some version of that. So that's what I want to talk about today, how to find love, the misconceptions in that, and what's really going on when you're in that state. Welcome to the Art of Accomplishment, where we explore how deepening connection with ourselves and others leads to creating the life we want with enjoyment and ease. I'm Brett Kistler, and this is Joe Hudson. Hey, Brett, how you doing? Doing great. And I love this topic because uh, it's it's shown up not just in the groundbreakers that we did last week, but also others, uh, coaching clients, other people in life right now. Uh, yeah. I, I noticed that there's sort of this pattern right now where a lot of people have gone through the pandemic and have had a lot of relationship changes during mm. or post-pandemic. And so I think mm. that's just a question that's in the air uh, in this in this time. So yeah, I'm excited to get into it. So you mentioned a couple patterns just there, and uh, can you tell me a little bit more about those? Sure. Yeah, the, so here's what I see happen. I see happen is that somebody, let's do the direct one, someone's looking for love, and they somehow think it's a numbers game. That like the, the common idea is like, if I meet the right person, then it's all going to work out. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's just not how it works at all. It's not at all about meeting the right person, which seems so strange because obviously on some level, it's about meeting the right person, but it's more about like, when are you ready for the right person to show up in your life? And so we all know that person who's like gone on a thousand dates, met a hundred people and that nothing is quite right. And it doesn't ever work out. That spark never happens or that spark happens. And then that person that they're interested in isn't interested in them. And, and so that is not at all about finding the right person. That is about, are you ready, prepared, wanting to have an intimate relationship? And so what I've noticed with all my clients who are in this situation is that they, when they, when we really work on, are you ready for intimacy? Are you ready to be in love? Are you ready to accept love into your life? Then the person always just shows up within three or four months. Once, yeah, I can just see it. It's like, well, I see that transition happen in a person. And then it's just like, I can start counting down and easily within three or four months, boom, they're in a re- committed relationship. Yeah. What I, what I noticed there is that the patterns that you just described are, could also be seen as ways of making sure it doesn't happen for some prescribed reason. It's like, oh, I'm looking for the right one. I want to have the right one, of course. So there's just something wrong with everybody that I meet. That's why I don't have a partner. So I'm curious, what's a, what's like a deeper way to look at it from like what's underneath those patterns? Yeah. I mean, that thing that's, yeah, the thing that's underneath the pattern is that usually they are scared of losing themselves one way or another. They're scared of losing themselves. And that can be a lot of things. They could be scared of losing themselves as far as not drawing boundaries and getting lost in a person or empathetically lost in the person or lose themselves in jealousy or lose themselves in behavior that they don't want or they 
are scared to lose themselves the way that their parents lost themselves in a relationship. They're like, oh, this is what love is, what mom and dad did. I don't want anything to do with that subconsciously. And so I'm just staying away from any kind of commitment or any kind of um, any kind of intimacy that could allow that to happen. So underneath the layer of of learning to love and and being prepared for love is this deeper thing about this fear of losing oneself. And we can call it the fear of intimacy or the fear of commitment, but it's really the fear of losing oneself. Yeah. And and that's what it's and that's what's really going on there. And when people work on that, everything changes for them. Yeah. So that's I want to double click a little bit more on what you mean by lose yourself. You mentioned a couple of different modalities there, modes. Uh yeah. Not holding being afraid of not holding boundaries, losing control, repeating your parents' relationship, getting hurt again in some repeated way that has happened in your past. Yeah. Uh, what, what else, how would you define losing yourself here? Yeah. So I would say losing, losing yourself is when you're not being who you want to be and you don't feel like you can control that. Mm. But the interesting thing is love in itself is another way of losing yourself more in a, in a good way, like losing identity and losing, like there's a way in which what love does is it like erodes your boundaries and it erodes, erodes your identity, which is, can be incredibly healthy. It's, you know, creates like a, a feeling of oneness and, and, uh, like there's reasons why there's so much poetry that talks about like unity with God being love and that love feeling like it's like, like spiritually, um, moves you into greater things or greater greater realms or a deeper sense of connection with yourself and that is the good way but then there's this way that happens in like society where we lose ourselves and it's we're acting like monsters or we're you know in huge fights where we weren't in huge fights before or we are codependent and we don't or jealous or anything like that and and so that kind of losing oneself is is I think what people are really scared of. I mean, we're also yeah. very scared of love as far as like seeing our full selves and and losing our identity. But that's a that's a whole different segment. I'm not talking about that for this one. Right. This is all about, you know, just the practical losing of love that losing yourself to to this kind of relationship. Yeah. And it, it's so fascinating how confusing and nuanced this can be that the language even overlaps because you were just talking yeah. about not holding boundaries and then how boundaries get eroded and the different yeah. kinds of boundaries <laughs> that you're referring to. Like That's right. yeah. the sense of self, the sense of us being separate from other, separate from our world is a different kind of boundary, but we use the yes. same word as drawing a boundary to yes. take care of oneself, which is... yeah seemingly paradoxically the increase in our capacity to draw clean loving boundaries allows us to feel safe to dissolve in a sense of self sense such that we feel that oneness and that love with another and the world yeah that's exactly that's exactly it yeah that there is no i'm sure i've said this on the podcast there is no paragon of love there is no person that you can think of who is like a who's a walking embodiment of love that isn't doesn't have strong boundaries and yet all of those people also feel like a oneness with humanity or oneness with all life um so it is an interesting paradox yeah um but the the second part is a nice is a nice thing to talk about the the main meat here however is just 
people <laughs> people are scared of losing themselves and so they avoid relationships all the while thinking or telling themselves the story that they're looking for it mm-hmm. and and on some level they're looking for it but they're also pushing it away yeah so so that one piece there the the fear of losing yourself yeah if we if we recognize and we work on that according to what you've been saying the person just appears how's that go sounds kind of like magical thinking and yet that's exactly how it happens i I think about a david burns song where he says like uh he says a junkie's arms a dancer's knees the loss of chance strange as they seem lead us exactly where we're most likely meant to be and so I, i feel like it's very much like that and if you think about it it's like like go to your Walmart and go and check out the couples that are there. Like people have found each other. Like they have found it. Like people find each other all the time. Um, and they and you you all have a friend who's like, you know, nothing. I mean, it's like not not some sort of hot catch or anything like that, right? Like, and they go just from one boyfriend to another boyfriend, or from one girlfriend to another. They're always in a relationship, which is different than somebody who's just like amazing and they're like, you know, a total catch, you know, whatever societally speaking is a total catch. And, and then they're just like 50 years old and they can't find, they can't find the one. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's, and the the idea is that the, the reason that it works this way is because there is no, the one, there is no, the one until you're in the relationship. There are lots of people there's an there's a lot of people who are your match. I mean, if the folks at ISIS can find thousands of people to be their match in their kind of weird sociopathic like culture, surely there's more than one person who is the match for you. And it's really about <laughs> your preparedness to see it. It's just it's just about your preparedness to see it and your willingness to go into that to go into that. Um, that's that intimacy and that journey with somebody as scary as it is. Yeah. Yeah. I guess another way of seeing it is that rather than, rather than seeing it as who is a perfect match for myself as I am right now, or as I imagine myself to be, which door do I want to step into? Which doorway of transformation do I want to walk into with somebody and grow together and become potentially the person who is free in such a way that this relationship brings me freedom. And like my, my journey within it. I don't even know if there's a choice like that. What seems to happen is there's some sort of, I mean, there's, they've done these, this research on pheromones where like women smell men's like sweatshirts and they like are attracted to the same sweatshirt as the, as the person who wore it. Like there is all these weird things like that. So I don't know how much choice there is. I, I was just thinking about a definition of marriage that I really liked, which was something like, let's see if I can, if I can remember it. It was something to the effect of um, two people thinking that they're not good enough coming together in an attempt to try to find out that they're good enough. Well, that's what I think is happening. It's like, and it's based on their traumas. And so we, we seem to attract people who, as we've talked about before, who, who basically will help us heal the traumas that we're here to work on. And so they're going to be people who remind us of 
have some some similarities to the people who who were creators of that trauma and that, that have that interesting like um have that tendency to bring us into that place that needs to be healed and okay. so that seems to be what happens when you find the right person that person seems to be be the one to that you seem to be attracted to the one who's ready to like play that role so that you can heal that part of yourself okay so what if what if i'm wanting the one if i found the person or people who have exactly the set of triggers for me yeah and they don't want me then what well then apparently that's the trigger (laughs) 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 i i i would say that there's right so there's all of the ways in which people say they want love and they don't get love, right? So that whether that's I'm f- trying to find the person and I can't find them, or I've found the person, but they don't want me, or I have, once again, I found myself attracted to an emotionally or physically unavailable person, you know, like that kind of thing. In all of these cases, what people are doing is they're beckoning for love and pushing love away at the same time. So like jealousy is like, mm. I want you, I want you, I want you, but I'm going to abuse you and gaslight you. And so you're going to not want to be around me, but I want you, but I want you, I want you, right? And so that's the pattern in all of these things, all of the different ways of finding a way is of finding a way to push the love away from you while saying that you want it. And the mind just is like, oh, I just want it. I just want it. I just want it. And the subconscious is like, nope pushing you away, pushing you away, pushing you away. Like I've never heard a jealous person on their own come to me and say like, yeah, I'm actively pushing away that person that I really want. But when I look at them in the eye and I'm like, hey, why are you pushing away this person with your jealousy? They kind of get this like subconscious grin on their face and they're like, ooh, busted. And so it's like all of that is this, all of the ways in which we do it are a Consciously saying, come here, come here, come here to love and then subconsciously pushing it away. So, so yeah, we've talked about jealousy and the push-pull dynamic. And I, I agree. Anytime I've ever seen somebody with a jealous partner, one of their major reframes is, I feel like I'm being pushed away or you're pushing yeah. me away yeah. and not seeing it. Uh, but what are, what are some other ways that this push and pull dynamic shows up in different kinds of patterns? Yeah, um, neediness, independence. You know, I, I was working with somebody the other day and they were they were basically talking about this idea that they want they want someone there to really be able to take care of them. And but they're incredibly self-reliant. And I was describing to them, you know, that self-reliance makes it really hard for people to show up for you. Right. Like we all know the people that's hard that are hard to help. They're hard to help because they never show any weakness. They're hard to help because they say, I've got it, I've got it, I've got it. They're hard to help because when you help them, they get angry at you. There's like, and they're super self-reliant folks. And I, I, I suffer this, right? And, and so I know it well. And so the, the, the thing that happens there is that they're pushing people away with their self-reliance. And so I was talking to this person about it and she was saying self-reliance and at the same time, she was talking about her father who abandoned her and and a mom that was a little unstable. And we were going through the thing. And I said, oh, your dad didn't abandon you. He was just being self-reliant. 
and you just saw mm-hmm. it click slow motion click and the next day she's like oh he never abandoned me because i'm because he was being self-reliant i see it now i see how he was taking care of himself in this strange world that he had found himself in and he was he was doing what he had to do to take care of himself and i said yeah and do you also see how you felt it as an abandonment for years that's how people feel when you're self-reliant Oof. yeah right and so so that's the that's like that's how the self-reliance thing works as an example or the neediness thing is the same thing it's like nobody wants a sexual relationship with their like someone they have to take care of right so on one level it's like oh i want you why aren't you here for me on another level i'm being needy and i'm pushing you away because we want to have relationships with peers not yeah people we have to we don't want to caretake people by by nature so that's another example but there's there's plenty of examples of the ways that people push and pull and usually there's multiple if someone's either only attracted to the emotionally unavailable person or the physically unavailable person, or whether they're um, continually searching for the the right person. So it's all another version of it. And again, there's more nuance there in the languaging too. You said nobody wants a sexual relationship with somebody they need to take care of. And that doesn't mean necessarily that if somebody's injured and they need somebody to take care of them or something, that that's, it's like take care of on a, on like the level of, the relationship is like a parent to child take care of relationship yes. rather than like a that's right peers adult to adult relationship yeah and 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 you can see, what's interesting to me is you can see this in marriages too what you see is like oh it's been 10 years and the sex is dead and i'm like yeah okay so where's the parent child relationship like mm-hmm. who's walking on eggshells who's trying to make sure the other person's happy because that shit's happening if the sex is dead you know so mm-hmm. So that's another example of it. Yeah. What are what are other examples anymore? You got jealousy, neediness, independence as some patterns that people play out here. What's any others? Yeah, there's there's another one transactional. This one I was I I recently discovered. It was really an interesting thing. I I worked with a client for a long time and and I noticed like all of his relationships were there was there was negotiation in them and and it was not just like regular negotiation it was like it was like constant negotiation <laughs> like it was just like you know and it, and it was always prolonged and i was trying to figure out what it was you know like what is it that makes you want to constantly negotiate with your business partners and then he finds you know we do this work to find a person he finds a person he's he, um and they they're like getting married and there's like an eight month prenup negotiation. I'm just like, what is happening? And, and this is one where it just took me a hard time, a long time to understand it. What I noticed is that people, I think people, particularly people who were bullied, but also people who have really understood like, and been, been hurt by power struggle generally mm-hmm. trust relationships that are transactional. I know what you want and what you're getting. You know what I want, what I'm getting. Like, let, like, if it's not there, if it's like, oh, we just love each other and we want to be together, there's this, uh, there's like, oh, I can't trust that because everybody has a want, everybody has a desire, and, yeah. and, and so I don't trust it unless we're upfront about that transaction. And so, 
What I notice is that people who are transactional, they will use the transactional part of it to push away the intimacy because it's that, that deeper level of intimacy and love is very scary. And so the transactional part of it is a way to create distance mm-hmm. from the intimacy is another yeah. example of it. That seems related to a fear of being in the unknown and in the wonder as well of like, I need to reduce this relationship to what I can understand and encapsulate <laughs> in a, in a formal model and feel safe in it. Yeah. The, 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 yes, definitely. I think love is not, is not a secure feeling. It's a kind of a weird thing to say, meaning that on one level, it's very secure. You feel love and you feel this deep sense of security on another level, it goes away. And so, and the loss of love is, is one of the most painful things that humans go through. And, and so there's this like inherent thing of willing to be hurt. If you're falling in love, if you are falling in love, you're saying, I sign up to be hurt and there's no fucking way around it. There is no way you are going to get married and live happily ever after, or be in a you know, loving six-way relationship and live happily ever after, however you do it, and you're not going to get hurt. It's, you're going to get hurt. You're going to get hurt potentially daily, right? And potentially really, really, really badly. Like that's what you're signing up for. Hey, I'm willing to be hurt. And and that part of it is also like a fear. That's also a fear of losing oneself, right? If I get hurt like that, I'm going to be gone for months maybe. You know, I'm going to be... totally lost in it yeah and so these are like this is the the real fear and if we can get to the place of oh every time i allow my heart to break every time it it increases my capacity to love every time that i i draw a boundary it increases my capacity to love every time that i i am vulnerable and i i it increases my capacity to love myself like all of these things that are being avoided are the tools to learn how to love more deeply. Mm-hmm. And so th- to some degree, it's like a pattern that I see people get into for year, like maybe decades because they're avoiding this pain. They're avoiding the tools of, of learning to love more deeply. Yeah. And, and, and it doesn't last. Like the other thing about it is like, there is no relationship where that hot, like, Ooh, I'm like so crushy on you like stays that shit's gone in like four five months and you see people trying to find that over and over again that's another way in which they push away love because that that is like a that is like sugar high and you know you want that that real good stuff you want the really good love that happens with a mature relationship where you have worked through shit and you have you you have been with each other through thick and thin that's when that love shows up my my experience of that is a little bit different. There's there's like that initial four to five months, but I also notice that every time we break through a new level of intimacy, like break through yes. into a new level of int- intimacy, suddenly that comes back for that for a period of time. And there's like, and and it's almost like we're stepping more and more into the relationship. And every time we do that, there's a new kind of phase of wow, I've never experienced this before. So it gets to feel like that crushy phase even in year three, year four, I've never been to year 20, but <laughs> I imagine it can happen that, yes, it's like it does. that that phase is associated, that elation is associated with like reaching a new layer of depth. And I don't see there being an end 
to the potential. I, I have I haven't experienced the end, but what I notice is that the high is different. Yeah, that the high it becomes less like ah, ah, and more like yeah. ah. like it's just a different <laughs> high. You know? Yeah, that's a really good and, way to describe that. Yeah, and so the yeah. crushy stuff. Yeah, that. So my my experience is just like yours. Just yeah, just different words to describe it. Yeah. Okay. So we, we talked about a number of these patterns here and the ways that people have that kind of push and pull relationship through yeah. jealousy, neediness, independence, transactionalness. And what about other patterns? Like what about people who just think that they're not pretty enough or don't, or aren't powerful yeah. enough, don't have enough yeah, yeah. to get a relationship? Yeah. So again, go to the Walmart, check out the married couples who are walking around like Every, everything that you think you have to be, there will be an example of somebody there who's not with a with somebody. So what that is more of a reflection of is mostly what you think you have to be to be lovable, which means mostly what you think you have to be to love yourself, which is, by the way, never works out when you get the mm-hmm. perfect body. It, it's not like, oh, I love myself now. That shit, <laughs> that doesn't right. happen. Or if you get the billion dollars and the status and, the, you know, whatever it is. So it's mostly what was imprinted upon you when you were young and you internalized and then decided you needed to be that to get love. Yeah. It's, it's that. And it's often what you think the other person has to have. Hmm. It's often Hmm. what you think, what, what you think someone who's love, because you think that's, what's lovable. You think they need to have it. Oh, they need to have the money or the whatever. Maybe it's not money exactly, but it, uh, other side of the pattern so it could be like i need the i need the money so that i can get somebody who has the cachet or whatever i need the look so that i can get someone to have the money but there's there's like um there's like a the two sides of that coin maybe there's a male female side of that coin that that society plays out but generally that you can pretty much tell what you think the other person has to have too which which never fucking works out. Like that's the other thing is that nobody was like, here's the list of things that I need in a man so that I can be happy. And then when they find the love of their life, because I deal with this all the time with a client, right? Clients like I'm looking for love, and they're like, here's the six things that I need, and I'm not really going to be able to 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 date anybody who doesn't have these six things. And then. <laughs> And then they do the work on really allowing it in, really allowing love in, really um, get over that, like the fear of losing themselves, deal with the trauma in their childhood, whatever they do. And then, boom, they're in the relationship. They're happy. It's amazing. And I guarantee you they do not have all six of those things. Guarantee you that that's not, not how it works. Yeah. So along those lines, what do you do? How do you stop being that pushing and pulling dynamic yeah yeah so there's three things like yeah and this reminds me of something that i wish i could give this person credit um but it's confidential who was at the at the retreat um but one of the people in the retreat said something beautiful he said i am uh my intention isn't to is to no longer look for love but to be love Mm -hmm. and that that that's, was a that's, beautiful moment. That was a beautiful moment, and so that's a that like that sums it up better than I possibly could. Um, it's learning to receive love. It's learning to love yourself. It's learning to be loving. I think, but m- most importantly, 
it is untying what was wired with love. So oftentimes I had, let's say, I, I this is not true for, well, it's kind of true for me, but um, having somebody who guilt trips you as your, as your imprint of love. And then you constantly did stuff that you didn't want to do because you felt guilty. As that, that example means that you're going to be scared of being in a relationship where you're going to be guilted and lose yourself trying to please somebody who's not pleasable and they constantly guilt you. Right. So then you're going to see any emotion as a strategy to guilt you rather than what's going on for the person. That's right. That's right. And so the idea is the thing to do is to separate what's been wired together with love, separate those things and start experiencing love without it and start realizing that it's like you, nobody has the right to guilt you. Nobody has the right to shame you. Nobody has, you you have every right to draw your boundary. So when you do that work, when you do the work of separating the love and, and, and learning the tools that you can rely on to not fall into those patterns and you have that confidence, then the love shows up. And, and a lot of that can be done through learning to love yourself and being loving and, 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 any way that you can take this risk. I, I'll give you an example. I'm working with a client right now who's in a, who's in a marriage and, and they weren't working on the marriage for a while. Now they're working on the marriage. And we were just talking about some of the things that are really important. We were talking about how critical it is to speak your truth, whether, whether it's comfortable or not, and how critical it is to listen impartially, be in view and let the person really share their experience and and one of the things we were talking about is like how important it is to be in an to be open hearted with the person and he's like intellectually i know this intellectually i know that this is the case however my body feels like uh-huh. i am being conned if i'm open to somebody who's been mean to me i am getting taken advantage of i am weak and that that's what like that's what he was taught at a young age that being loving and open towards somebody is being taken advantage of. It's like, you're, you're going to get taken advantage of. That's a weakness. You can't, you can't show that. And so learning that, and you know, and this, this person happens to like have gone to the Gandhi ashram and everything. So I was like, so Gandhi, Gandhi's weak. And he's like, I fucking know that Joe. (laughs) He's like, I know it's not true, but my body believes it, you know? And yeah. And so that's well, the, another example of like being really loving. It's like even in a marriage, you're learning how to drop the defense, be undefended and lean into love and be open. And to know that that openness doesn't mean that you're, doesn't mean that you don't draw the boundary. doesn't mean you don't care for yourself, but it is an acknowledgement that you're willing to be hurt. If you're not willing to be hurt, you're not in a relationship. One of the things that strikes me about what you were just saying is that like, I, he's like, I can, I intellectually know this, but my body knows, but it still sounds like it was actually just not the feeling, but the meaning made of the feeling that was happening. Oh, that's like, fascinating. This feeling means that I'm being betrayed. This feeling means that, it, but if you go straight to the feeling, that's, is that really what's happening? Or is that just like the body's got a response right. that you've interpreted as that? 
I think I think it's both is my experience is that usually when you have a very particular feeling that happens, oftentimes it's tied to the next feeling. So it's like mm. you step onto the pattern cycle. Yeah, 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 exactly. And so you feel the emotional ABC, you know, steps mm-hmm. and you're right. Then there's this interpretation. What is it that's actually going on here? And and I think about that moment in the retreat that we had, which um, one of the people who was really interested in learning to receive love and learning to um, be open and and stop tying love together with the rejection of dad was in a cuddle puddle. And if you remember her description of it, like, so she's being cuddled mm-hmm. by all these people after this big thing. And she's like, so she has big emotional experience and she was being loved up and, and everybody was like cuddling her. And she was like, it was so painful. It was so painful. I, I felt like it was like burning and, and then I could feel a little bit of joy and then it was burning. And then I could feel like literally yeah. it, that's her reprogramming that experience of of love i i think that the the important piece that we haven't mentioned is that this doesn't stop when you find the person like mm-hmm. i i defined marriage earlier this way is that we're like we found somebody who has like matching traumas so that we can learn that we're we're good enough like once you get into the relationship it's the same commitment it's the same commitment of learning how to drop the armoring, learning how to be open and loving in the, in the face of it and learning how to deepen into that love. The yeah. work never ends. And, and when somebody asks me, Hey, do you think this is the right person? My answer is always the same. Are you both willing to do the work? If you're both willing to do the work, if you're both willing to look at yourselves, not work on each other, work on yourselves, and find out how you can love yourself better and each other better. Yeah, it's it's gonna work. It might be bumpy as fuck. <laughs> I mean, how much, you take how much ter- can you be with that burning <laughs> sensation? <laughs> <laughs> if, if you take tear in my relationship, it got really bumpy in the first couple of years, like uh-huh. crazy. So, yeah, I mean, it could get bumpy, but you'll make it if that's the commitment. If that if that's really the commitment. Lovely. Great. I think that's great. a great place to end this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel really good about this one. Thanks, Brett, for a wonderful conversation. And for everybody out there listening, you can feel free to follow us in any way that you want to. You can come to a course or you can follow us on Twitter, anything that inspires you. And um, feel free to share this with anybody that you want. All right. Talk to you soon. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Joe. Thank you. <laughs>